I hope it has been evident to you how much Patsy and I have enjoyed these four Sundays with you. Uh, thank you. And I first met Kyle Matthews when his father invited me to do the deacon's retreat at First Baptist Greenville. And Methodists just crave Baptist approval. So this has been wonderful for me. Thank you. Now, uh, the great preacher Barbara Brown Taylor, I heard her say in a sermon, uh, have any of you ever had a friend tell you truth, truth that was maybe you had avoided your whole life hearing, truth that was so painful and yet so true? Have any of you ever had that happen? Well, now you know, she said, why we crucified Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not only the way and the life. He insists on being the truth. Well, we started this journey, you and I, four weeks ago, when we noted great crowds clamoring after Jesus. Where are the crowds now? They've gone. Why did they leave? I think we're about to know why. Uh, why? Uh, I, I gotta ask you, I, I watched you closely when you were listening to today's gospel. Why is it on a beautiful summer Sunday why the common lectionary would gather us together and say out of all the things we could hear from scripture, we're going to give you one of the most gruesome, gory, disgusting stories in all of scripture. Why? Uh, well, John the Baptist, we're, we're told that Herod, liked Baptist preachers when he first heard them. Uh, Mark says, John the Baptist, that, that he was adored by Herod. Herod admired him for his holiness, his righteousness. Herod liked to hear John the Baptist preach. But a lot of times, Mark says, a lot of times his sermons were over Herod's head. He couldn't figure them out. Uh, how come Herod moved from being an admirer of Baptist preaching to a killer of Baptist preachers. Well, it's because John uh, told the truth to Herod. This powerful man, uh, he told him, it is not right for you to be having an affair with your brother's wife. It is not right for you to be committing adultery and then lying about it. It's not right for you to abuse your power. Yes, I know this is hard to believe, but all the way back then, there were politicians <laughs> who had one marriage after another and committed adultery the whole time during their marriages, and then they lied about it. Well, it was a long time back then. And um, you know, the sad thing is, you're not as surprised that there is an adulterous lying politician as you are surprised that there was a Baptist preacher who told the truth to a lying adulterous politician. <laughs> That's kind of sad. Uh, 
I tell you, it, it, was, it was back then. Back then, preachers didn't strive to be a quivering mass of availability and affirmation. Back then, preachers uh, knew that part of the job was you, you got to tell the truth. Uh, long ago, when I finished seminary, I went back to South Carolina. I, I kind of had a sense I was going back like in a war. It was the civil rights movement was in its heyday. Uh, four of the young clergy who had mentored me and led me to seminary, by the time I got out of seminary and got back, three of them had been run out of the ministry because of their preaching. Uh, I remember a district superintendent talking to me callow youth that I was, and I said to him, I just, I want to get to know and love my people. And the district superintendent said to me, lots of luck. Uh, he said, son, uh, you're so damn charming, you'll be fine. But let me tell you, the problem is, you see, you're working with Jesus. And Jesus don't only want to love them, he wants to tell the truth to them. Uh, you watch yourself now, boy. Uh, you know, it's, uh, when I became bishop, uh, and I know you Baptists don't believe in bishops, but just for the sermon, try, okay? <laughs> and when I became bishop, went to Alabama, it seemed like a high percentage of my clergy had forsaken the role of being preacher of the truth and decided to be pastoral caregivers, empathetic, ambulance chasers, hand holders. Uh, and, and I remember asking a lay leader, what kind of pastor uh, do you see for your next pastor? And the lay person responded, uh, our pastor now is just one of the kindest, most caring men I've ever met. And I said, yeah, I hear that about him. And the layperson said, Bishop, unfortunately, that's not good enough for our church today. Bishop, you're going to have to find a pastor that's got gifts for telling hard truths to people who don't want to hear it. Well, uh, I found such a pastor. Uh, two years later, when I asked that same layperson, I said, wow, this has been quite a turnaround here. Wow, you, you people really seem to have caught the spirit and are on the move. Wow, how did that happen? And the layperson said, you know, I, I don't think we'd ever had a pastor that, uh, that believed in Jesus Christ and believed in us enough to tell us the truth. I remember the night at the, at the board meeting, he said, here are the numbers, people. You continue to do what you've always done. You continue to walk down that road. The last Methodist is going to turn out the lights here about uh, 2025. We got born again. Makes you wonder, how 
many Christians out there have been lost? Because nobody believed in them as Christians enough to, to find a way to tell them the truth. You, you wonder how, how many uh, churches, how many churches are stumbling into oblivion because they've decided, let's just be a club of nice older adults who get along with each other and let's don't worry about being people of the truth, okay? I wonder what Herod's legacy would have been if somebody had cared enough about this powerful political man to find a way to tell him the truth. Uh, well, we were at a preacher's meeting and we were having a discussion. Usually, it's kind of what we do at preachers' meetings. We spend most of our time complaining about you, the laity. <laughs> and we were having a wonderful time. And people were saying, these laity, they come to church on Sunday morning just to have be patted on the head and stroked. They don't want to hear the gospel truth. These laity, they just, they don't come to be upset. They want to come to hear a bunch of sweet nothings that they've always heard all their lives. Amen? Well, somehow this layperson had sneaked into that meeting. And she spoke up and she said, speaking for all laity everywhere, I agree that few of us come to church on Sunday morning hoping to be disturbed, hoping to be bumped and jolted, yes. But if there's one thing that we laity uh, fear more than that, it's being bored out of our minds Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I tell you, when church becomes a place where you don't hear anything you couldn't hear as well at a Rotary Club meeting, and at least Rotary meets at a convenient time of the week and serves lunch, and... who? <laughs> uh, why is it that I will remember the layperson, the one layperson who gets upset by something I say in a sermon, who says, I'm offended, it, you shouldn't talk like... I remember that one layperson. I don't know the names, even, of the dozens of laity who are no longer here because they've just given up that anything new and life-changing and demanding will ever be uttered or heard. Uh, and yet, uh, unlike Herod, I mean, there you are. I preached on forgiveness. I think it was Jesus talking about forgiving 70 times seven. And after service, standing at the door, a woman comes out and she said, do you mean to tell me that my abusive husband, who made my life hell for 10 years, Jesus expects me now to forgive him? And I immediately moved into my most active 
defensive, non-defensiveness. And I said, uh, 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 well, you know, we only have 20 minutes for these sermons, and I, I, uh, uh, spouse abuse is a horrible evil. And, and, and uh, uh, I, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm too nice a person to, to say things like that to you, but, 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 but uh, it, 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 uh, Jesus did say, forgive your enemies, and I can't think of a bigger enemy than your ex-husband. And uh, he uh, and he said seventy times seven, and that's a whole lot of forgiveness. And uh, 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 so I think it, it 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 does sound like something Jesus might have said. <laughs> and with that, she stood up to her full height and said, "Thank you. Just checking." <laughs> and she walked out the door. And I tell you, it was like the heavens opened, a dove descended, there was a voice, and the voice said, who told you that your job was to protect her from me? When you look at her, all you see is a victim. Oh my, you've been a victim of injustice, contort your voice into a whine, all moral responsibility is now off your back, and just keep your head down and go. When I look at her, I see a disciple. I'm going to change this whole world with her if you'll get out of the way and let me have her. Uh, before I go, let me just ask you, because I haven't had the opportunity to get to know all of you that well, but how many of you, I know some of the preachers this church has had in the past. And so I ask you, how many of you, uh, even though you're not sleeping with your sister-in-law, uh, or maybe you're not the best student of the Bible, how many of you, after hearing a sermon, have been led to murder a Baptist preacher? <laughs> Let's see the hands. Really? That suggests to me that you have learned there's no way to follow Jesus Christ and be truth averse. Uh, you know, he's not only the way, the life. He insists on being the truth. Amen.